Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where OP gets a fat $15,000 payday. Our next Reddit post is from Anubis. I was 19 when this happened. I'm a plus-sized girl who's confident in my body. I've been working at the same big chain restaurant since I was 15 years old. It was my first job. When I went to college, I transferred stores, and I began working at the same place in another city. Everything was going great for about a year, until we got a new boss. Immediately, he singled me out and told me I had to stop dressing the way that I do because it was going to lead to men harassing me. He would say this to me daily and also told me graphic stories of sexual assault that he had witnessed at our workplace because of leggings. One day, I stood up to him and I told him that it's not appropriate that he says this stuff, especially given all the people under the age of 18 that we worked with. Later that week, he yelled at me for something minor and told me I should just quit because he was going to find a way to get rid of me. So, I did. Eventually, he was transferred to another store and I came back under a new boss who was amazing and who understood that the previous boss did something wrong. I worked with that incident for a month and then my original terrible boss came back. He singled me out and tried to make me uncomfortable by telling me that I was going to get harassed. But this time, I fought him back. I told him straight up that if he continued, I would sue him and the company for doing nothing after I reported it. He laughed at me and said go ahead and that I would never get a dime from the company. Cue malicious compliance. I quit on the spot that day and contacted a lawyer who advised me to file a complaint against the company with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission for sexual harassment and retaliation. After a long year of waiting, the company agreed to a mediation by an outside neutral party. I was negotiated and awarded $15,000 in damages. I'm not sure what happened to my old boss, but the company must be pissed. He messed with the wrong pre-law student. Man, what a doofus. Don't dress that way or else you're going to be sexually harassed. And then this guy proceeds to sexually harass you every day that you work there. Okay? I mean, technically he wasn't wrong. You were getting sexually harassed. Our next Reddit post is from Cinnamon Jen. In the early 2000s, I worked at a Canadian casino. This place had so many ridiculous rules, including some very particular rules about makeup. The makeup rules were as follows. 1. No fake eyelashes. 2. No fake fingernails or fingernail extensions. 3. No makeup that's not a natural color. The natural color one confused me. What is deemed natural? Who decides what is and isn't natural? I asked my manager for clarification, but she couldn't give me any. Just keep it natural. Use naturally occurring colors and you'll be fine. This did not sit well with me. Cue malicious compliance. My aunt has a master's in environmental science. I went to her house one evening and picked her brain about naturally occurring colors. She informed me that, scientifically, naturally occurring colors are colors that can be found directly in nature. She even showed me a textbook that directly spoke about naturally occurring colors. I borrowed the textbook and highlighted the paragraphs that specified this. Keep in mind, this was well before you could just Google something. The only way to back up that claim was to carry that 750-page textbook to work with me. Next shift, I went all out. Green eyeliner, eggplant-colored eyeshadow, yellow nail polish on one hand, and mango-colored on the other hand. I hit the floor to work, and within the first few minutes, I got hauled into my manager's office. OP, what do you think you're doing? You can't wear these colors. You know our policy states naturally occurring colors only when it comes to makeup. 
Head to the staff bathroom immediately and remove your makeup. Wordlessly, I headed to the staff bathroom, but instead of taking the makeup off, I went to my locker, grabbed the textbook, and marched back into my manager's office. Excuse me, manager, I am wearing naturally occurring colors. Here, look at this textbook that specifically states what naturally occurring colors are by definition. I watched her face change as she read the book. First, she looked pissed, then worried, and then finally resigned herself to what was happening. OP, do you really need to be that type of person? The type that follows the rules? I thought that's what you wanted me to do. She asked me to head back out to the floor. For the remaining time that I was employed there, I wore whatever color makeup I wanted, and so did almost all of my coworkers. They tried coming out with new rules, but they could never get the wording right. F stupid rules. Malicious compliance for the win. And down in the comments, we have this post from Candy Mom. When we built our first house, it was an HOA. The HOA wasn't bad, but some of the people were a real piece of work. Every house in the HOA is some shade of poop brown. We chose gray with red brick. People were all upset because the house was supposed to be an earthy color. Fortunately, the builder, who lived in the HOA, agreed with me that gray was, indeed, an earth tone. We're still the only gray house surrounded by poop-colored houses. Our next Reddit post is from The Milk Jug. Many years ago, I used to work for a company that did a lot of traveling. We're talking 12 to 20 hours a day in a truck with another guy, often for 5 to 10 days at a time. When we stopped at hotels, which wasn't every night, because sometimes you had to sleep in the truck, we would get separate hotel rooms so you would have a little bit of personal space. There was a per diem rate, and as long as we kept the hotel rooms under that rate, it was never an issue. Well, after about 15 years of this, the company suddenly decided that separate rooms was costing too much money, so now we had to share rooms regardless of the cost. The job market was fairly good at this point in time, and a few guys basically quit on the spot, and the rest complained a lot. Now, this actually created two forms of malicious compliance. The first one is, instead of looking for a moderately priced hotel, often the drivers would max out the accepted rate. For example, often we would drive out of major cities and stay in the suburbs where motels and hotels are cheaper. Not anymore! Now, we would find the really nice hotel downtown, and we would also have to pay for parking down there for the truck, so we would expense that, too. Then, some guys took the policy a step further. They would walk into a hotel and say, I'll give you the max rate for this room. They would chat up the hotel clerk, explain the situation, and deliberately overpay for the room, spending every cent they could underneath the max rate, just to cost the company a little bit more money. The second bit of malicious compliance took a bit more conniving behind the scenes. Shortly after this change was made, it just so happened that the head manager of the company had to head out on one of these trips, which was a relative rarity. Through some backdoor dealings, a few of us managed to get the most obnoxious, smelliest driver on the schedule with him. This guy was a bit of a trip. He was a nice guy, but he didn't like to shower very often. He would talk your ear off, refuse to turn on the radio, and was really pretty slovenly. Also, he liked to watch adult videos really loudly on the TV in the hotel room. He wasn't the brightest bulb either, but he was relatively competent in his job and easygoing otherwise. After sharing a hotel room with him for one night, the manager decided he needed his own hotel room. 
We made sure that everyone in the company knew the manager wouldn't hack it for more than one day sharing a room, and this caused some pretty strong strife, and a few more guys quit. Shortly thereafter, they reinstated the policy of individual hotel rooms, but now the damage had already been done. Some of the guys really liked staying downtown, so the parking fees for trucks went up and the overall cost of hotel rooms went up too. And hey, let's not forget OP, if the trucks are spending more time in the city as opposed to the suburbs, that means way more expensive gas as well. Down in the comments, we have this post from a renovator. It sounds a bit like what happened to me. I was sent to Denver for some technical training. They gave me a daily per diem for expenses. I would skip breakfast and lunch and then have a mighty fine steak and lobster dinner, all within budget. Two weeks after returning, I get called into the comptroller's office. It seems that the company never intended for me to eat like a king on their dime. Hehe, <laughs> I knew that Mr. Comptroller had just returned from a national corporation week-long retreat. So I said, Alan, you make a good point. Let's pull out your expense report from the retreat. I promise that I'll never exceed what you spend on one of these trips. He hemmed and hawed around, saying that I just didn't understand the situation. I told him I was real sure that I did, and perhaps we should take this discussion into the president's office for clarification. I never heard a peep out of him from then on. Man, I don't understand why people care about this. I've got an editor for this channel, and one time I had him drive up to my place from out of state to help him set up my audio equipment because he's like an audio expert. And I gave him a per diem, and I don't know what he spent the per diem on. I don't care what he spent the per diem on. If he spent it on food, great. If he spent it on hookers and cocaine, also great. Follow your heart, man. That's just one of the perks for working at r slash incorporated. If I ever make you travel anywhere, you get a per diem for hookers and cocaine. Our next Reddit post is from I'm a simp for Obi-Wan. My house is surrounded by two gardens, one in the front facing the street and one in the back bordering my neighbor's gardens. When my parents and grandparents moved into our house 26 years ago, they planted a thick hedge around the entire property. They also installed a rose arch over the pathway to our front door, and my grandfather was always busy keeping up the garden, planting, weeding, keeping everything very tidy. My grandfather died in 2002, and after that, the garden was neglected for a few years as my parents were still working and my brother and I were in university and school. But then, in 2005, my mom read something that we should plant stuff to help the bees, so she took over the gardens, planting lilac, rhododendron, roses, and various berries. Later, we decided to also install raised garden beds with various kitchen herbs. My mom is now over 70 years old and has officially given the house over to my brother and me so that we won't be taxed on inheriting it when she dies. Since then, I've been sporadically taking care of the gardens. I like them in their wild shape with all the birds, bees, bumblebees, and butterflies flying around. And in autumn, we get hedgehogs and we've been visited by a fox recently, which sends my cats into a panic. Then, recently, we received a letter from the city stating that our garden was interfering with the safety of the street because the hedge was overgrowing the pavement and contained poisonous berries, which were a danger to children. Now, my brother trims this hedge every month to make sure that nothing is overgrowing the pavement in any way, and while the berries are poisonous, to get to them you'd have to be quite resilient because they're surrounded by thorns. 
they're also known to be ideal food for some local birds. So I contacted our local nature conservation association and asked them if they would like to come have a look at our gardens and maybe tell us if we could improve anything to make them even more nature friendly. They came, looked around, and told us they rarely see gardens so in touch with nature. They approved our gardens as especially nature-friendly and contacted the city to tell them that, from their point of view, any changes would be considered unfriendly to nature. And since our city prides itself with being one of the green capitals in our country, they had to budge. Do not mess with my gardens. And down in the comments, we have this post from Nage2020. There was a guy in one of the suburbs near me that had a similar approach. He let all the native plants grow wild around his house because he liked living near nature. His neighbors complained to local council that it was unsightly and a fire hazard. The council set a date that they would come and remove all trees, plants, and shrubs and charge him for the cost involved. He contacted a local environmental agency that came and inspected his property and they found two species of endangered birds that had nested there. One of them was assumed to be extinct. After that, there was nothing the city could do because the birds were protected by law. I was working at a gas station about 20 years ago. One evening, this lady comes in, dumps like five or six handfuls of pennies on the counter, and states her preferred brand of tobacco. Normally, our cashiers would just tell someone to F off if they were trying this, but I was pretty chill at the time and I had nothing to do but just run the register and stuff my face with food from the deli case. So, cue malicious compliance. I just said... Okay, but I'll have to take the other customers. I'll count this between. She objects, but it's all there. I counted it already. I reply, if my drawer comes up wrong, I'll get in trouble. So I have to count it. Sorry. She starts stomping around the store all mad, throwing her arms around. I would later come to recognize this as tweaker behavior. I start counting, meticulously setting the pennies aside in stacks of 10 and pausing every time a customer comes in. All the while, this lady is acting like she's being stabbed. Maybe half a dozen customers and 10 minutes later, I'm nearing the end of the pile, but she's standing by the door getting more and more impatient, complaining at everyone who comes through. I was giving the new customers priorities, so of course, they didn't care. Anyway, I finish counting, and she's short, by like maybe 15 cents. Who can remember? It was fairly common for people to raid the penny dish to cover the cost of a pack of cigarettes they couldn't quite afford, and this was generally allowed. But she promised me that it was all there, and I got a bit of a bug up my butt about it, so I take the overflowing free penny dish and move it behind the counter before calling her over. You're 15 cents short. Can't I just cover it from the dish? Where is it? What dish? There's a penny dish. There's always a penny dish. You took it away. I give her a puzzled look and wave my hands over the counter. There's no penny dish. I don't know what you're talking about. She is infuriated and cusses me out for a while, but I just shrugged it off. She left without her cigarettes, of course. My boss came over afterwards and told me that I didn't have to count these out or even take them. The dude didn't get me at all, but I just played it straight and was like, oh, okay. That was our slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.